0: You're listening to Geek Girl Meets. Hello and welcome to Geek Girl Meets. You know us already. We're the podcast that brings you a pretty damn awesome woman in tech to talk about her career, what she's learned and the useful tips and insights that she wants to pass along to you. Today, I'm joined by Katerina Pascoulis, the CEO and co-founder of Personably, which you may not have heard of yet, but I'm sure you will hear of very soon. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling pumped for this uh, this recording. And, and one of the reasons for that is we've obviously crossed paths with each other numerous times in the last couple of years, all through Geek Girl. And every single time I've crossed paths with you through Geek Girl, you're doing something different, <laughs> which is exciting. And we're going to learn more about that in the podcast. But to start with, I already gave you fair warning on this. When you were little, what was it that you wanted to be? So, when I was younger, I actually really wanted to be a lawyer. And I know that's not very interesting, but I think it was partially influenced by watching Legally Blonde. So, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor. I was like, scrubs, Legally Blonde. I think those had some influences on that. Did you specifically want to be a lawyer with a chihuahua? So, I, I kind of want a dog with more fur. If I, so, I don't have a dog, but if I was to have one. Um, more fluff. Yes, I agree. That's fine. I just I just had to kind of rule out whether it was the specific lawyer from Legally Blonde in there. <laughs> Was it was it just generic, like just thinking like lawyer or was there a particular type of law that you wanted to delve into? I think I just like the idea of being able to stand up and tell people what to do, because that's what lawyers on TV do. <laughs> nice, nice. But yeah, I shortly learned after studying it and spending some time with solicitors that that's not actually what anyone's job is, really. So, yeah. OK, so. You've already said that you went on to to study and work along alongside solicitors, which brings us quite nicely onto how did you get to where you are today? Which is obviously right now as a CEO and co founder, you're not a lawyer. Yeah, when I was at school, I kind of thought law was interesting, so I didn't study it. Like, I didn't study it when I was at school, but it was something I thought was interesting. It was something I thought that was interesting when I was younger, and. It was also something that you could interview for at the. So I went to Cambridge, and you have to interview for everything when you go to Cambridge. And one of the reasons I was choosing between like history and law, and one of the reasons I didn't want to do history was because it would have meant I would have had to re revise my whole history A level course in order before the interview. Where oh, wow. Whereas, yeah, with law, you just have to be because they don't teach it at school at the schools school that I went to. So you just had to be like a good generalist and be able to like problem solve on the spot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great, like that's definitely placed on my skill set so that was like one of the reasons why I thought that would be like a good choice well, no one really 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 wants added homework before they have to go into a big interview so oh, yeah I can see that so you studied law at Cambridge and then so how look that's still a three-year three-year course yeah so law, yeah. yeah so it's a three-year course it was really interesting like I love the subject you get to do like human rights law you get to like learn about all the different criminal cases like it's so like I really loved it one of the things I found, though, so in my second year, I was spending a lot of time talking to the law firms and meeting lots of these associates who were like three, four years on into their legal career. And none of them seemed happy. Like they didn't love what they were doing. They couldn't tell me why they went to work each day. Like what was the thing that kind of got them up in the morning? Mm. And it like really put me off. It really put me off working for any of these companies. And I think the day-to-day of, like, I haven't been a solicitor and I actually have some friends who really enjoy it. But for me, the day-to-day of doing that work, it just wasn't wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted more more responsibility early on in my career than that could offer me. Yeah. Okay. So you finished Cambridge with a law degree. And then what happened? So I finished Cambridge with a law degree. I spent some time with a company called Escape the City. Have yeah. you heard of those guys? I mentored at Escape the City. So yeah, I know them well. So, you know, there are some really awesome, ambitious people there that are looking to do something new with their lives. Yeah. So I basically rocked up on their doorstep and was like, hey, I've actually not done that city career bit yet, but I'm kind of interested to learn what comes next. Mm -hmm. So I spent some time helping out at their events, like just volunteering in the evenings. And through that, I got to meet some great startup founders. And it was through that I was like, oh, hey, this startup thing looks really fun. Like, It looks like everything's fast paced. You get to work with some awesome people. And you're working people that are like really passionate about what they're doing. And that's what I found missing in all of the lawyers that I'd met when I was at uni. Yeah. So yeah, so I met some of the notable founders that I met. So the founder of Just Park, Alex Stephanie, has yeah. now founded Beam and they're based in the same office block that we are. So I see him occasionally. Cool. And also Luke Lang, who's the founder of CrowdCube. So I saw him speak and I was like, that looks really interesting. That looks like a company where I could learn about all the other startups while I work there Mm -hmm. so yeah there's a story there as well well I I think we should hear that story so what happened with Luke Lang and Crowdcube (laughs) so I was at the event in my Escape the City t-shirt I went up to Luke at the end of the event when he was talking to Rob the founder of Escape the City and I was like hey I'm really interested in Crowdcube and I'm looking for a job right now I'm a new grad is there anything that I'd be suitable for he was like oh cool like apply like we've got some London-based roles we're just opening up a London office so I went on their site, saw what roles they had, and they were hiring for a biz dev person, which is basically startup word for sales, it's sales, but biz dev. And they, I applied for it. And I was like, oh, I'd be a really good fit for this. I'm like, very chatty. I'll be great, et cetera, et cetera. And I got a rejection. I got an email back saying, sorry, we don't think you have the network or the experience. Actually, we don't think you're plugged, plugged in enough to the London Tech Network at the moment for this role. So I was like, hmm, okay, I think they're wrong. I think it's about how quickly you can build a network yeah. as opposed to the network that you have already because that's a static thing, right? It should be about the trajectory. So I emailed him back and said this. I was like, give me three days to build a tech network and I'll come back to you with with a list of leads that you can use. He was like, okay, go for it. If you do that, we'll give you an interview. So I spent three days running around shoreditch so literally like sitting in the prep at old street like approaching people with laptops silicon drink about and like started approaching people basically being like hey i'm doing some work for crowdcube i'm trying to find amazing companies that want to equity fundraise like what do you think like can i have your email address so i found myself at these meetups basically pitching crowdcube before i really knew what crowdcube was desperately trying to remember what luke had said in that talk escape the city yeah And yeah, I ended up with like a page long list of leads from some very helpful people who yeah gave me their email address, kind of humored me and yeah, presented it to Crowdcube. They gave me an interview and I got the job. There you go. I mean, that's one way to do it, isn't it? I kind (laughs) of feel like we can't do it right now, but I really wish that I could just see you like mic drop. (laughs) <laughs> like boom yeah these are attached to the desk I know I know they are they are <laughs> like, like if I if I broke one of these I would be in so much trouble but it's just that's such a, a great way of showing how serious you are about working for a company and the attitude of no 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 you are going to hire me and this is why I love that you know did you ever at any point when you were doing that kind of doubt what you were doing or were you just like so super laser focused on getting it all done So at this point, I kind of look back on it and I'm like, what was I doing? (laughs) So, yeah, I definitely had the kind of like confidence that every 21 year old has where they think they can just like take on the world. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a bit of me now that was like, why was I just approaching randoms in coffee shops for like hours? How did I have the energy and the confidence to do that? I guess it's kind of that you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. But you've got something to gain and there's no there's no just shame in like just going for it which is probably a super useful skill to have with what you're doing right now but no spoilers we're going to get to that in a little (laughs) bit so you've got the job at crowdcube and then you know how long were you there for so i was at crowdcube for a year okay yeah i really enjoyed my job there it was really fun so it's basically like all the it basically meant i got to like paid to go to all of the tech events in london talk about crowdcube meet great founders every day, like learn about their businesses and learn why they were passionate about them. Mm -hmm. It's just like an awesome job to have. Meeting entrepreneurs is really interesting. Uh, And also like help people fundraise and help people get to the stage where they could then grow their business, which again is like a really nice thing to be able to do. I think traditional sales roles, you're not offering money to startups, right? So it's like a really, it's an easy sell basically. Yeah. So that was like a lot of fun, but I kind of got to a point where maybe six seven months in I had spent so long talking to these founders and I was mainly working with tech companies I was like wow I really want to be able to build something as well all of these people have found a problem and they've built something to solve it and now they're they've created a company around that and I was really inspired by that and it kind of meant that yeah like I wanted to do that too so I started trying to learn to code in the evenings like doing code Academy. But because of my job, so I was like talking to people all day and then doing events in the evening. There just was not the time and the like mental energy to sit down and do something quiet like coding when you spent all day talking to people. Yeah. I'm sure you understand. Yes. Yes, I do understand that (laughs) very well. I'm sure lots of people listening will understand that as well. Yeah. So it's like a total, totally different switch. And you've just got to have a certain amount of like mental energy to do Mm -hmm. that. So I kept trying, I kept starting code, trying to learn to code and then I just kept Like, got getting distracted, like I had work to do. I just couldn't have, I just didn't have the time to devote to it. And it was so frustrating. And I kind of got to a point where I was like, I know this is what I want to do. I'm still relatively young. I don't have any responsibilities really at this stage. So if I'm going to do this, I need to do it now. So I kind of said this to Crowdcube. I was like, okay, I actually really want to learn to code. I'm going to leave. And they were like, okay, like, you do you, go. (laughs) So yeah, so I quit. And I was like, okay, if I just spend three months in a room by myself, I will come out at the end of it and have like taught myself to code, Mm -hmm. which isn't exactly what ended up happening. I found out about this coding bootcamp called Founders and Coders, and it's a social social enterprise. It's like really collaborative. So the previous cohort sticks around and teaches the most recent cohort. And as a result, the course is free. So you don't have to pay for it because there aren't instructors or the instructors are all voluntary. Okay. So I was like, yeah, it's really cool. It's awesome. Check it out if anyone wants to learn to code. It's a great place. Yeah. And yeah, and I found out their deadline was closing in like two weeks. And one of the requirements of founders and coders is you basically have to teach yourself quite a lot of JavaScript before you start. So typically the requirements take like a month, two months of work if you're doing it on the side of a job. I was like, oh God, I have two weeks to like hit the requirements needed for this course. So I emailed the founder and I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I've only just found out about your course. But I'm like super interested. Can you just kind of like, I'll hit the prereqs by the time the course starts, which was like the following month, but not by the deadline. He basically emailed me back being like, you have 12 days between now and the deadline. Just do the work. And I was like, right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. So yeah, in hindsight, like that was great. But I spent like two weeks just locked in my room trying to teach myself get myself to some level and I didn't get myself to the level they needed but I had shown enough progress over that time they let me on and then I had got to that level by the time of the course yeah started so how many hours a day were you locked away in your room coding oh my god like yeah like eight like eight nine ten like and the thing is it's so frustrating like thinking about the things that I got stuck on and I had a couple of friends who could code so I would like occasionally screenshot them something and be like what am I doing wrong here they'd be like you have missed a semicolon and i would be like oh so it's like really really minor things and that now like I look back I'm like oh my god I can't believe I ever didn't know how to do that yeah but yeah I got there in the end it's fun though it's hard but fun yeah no I everyone is, has told me similar it's hard but it's fun and yeah my my partner at the moment, he's. You know, his like downtime is just trying out little things online using coding to build a game. Yeah. Like the other day he built Snake and I just immediately took his laptop and was like, no, no, I'm going to play Snake now because <laughs> I miss my 3210. Anyway, <laughs> so, you, so you got into Founders and Coders. Yeah. And then how long is that course? So it's three months, but then everyone kind of sticks around after and works on like freelance projects and teaches the next cohort okay so it's a really good way that you can learn to code and then build up your experience a bit more after so i was i actually stuck around for a year ish like doing freelance projects Mm -hmm. which again was like really fun i was building mvps minimum viable products for other early stage founders so there was one called picnic which was like kind of like delivery for airports okay so i'll try and do do the elevator pitch and sorry johnny if you're listening so yeah it was you go to an airport and you're late for your flight and you you can basically like order any food from around the airport on your phone before your flight and then they'll like deliver it to the gate for you so you can just like pick it up. So that was one. The other one was a app called Causa, which is a way to like meet people spontaneously. The founder is James Eder, who founded Student Beans. Yeah. okay. Sure. I think I've come across that yeah. one before. Yeah. So we built like the very first version of that. It's like one of our first projects, commercial product projects. That's cool. Okay. So you were able to to try out quite a few different things, getting involved in quite a few different products for various different people. And then I get to do the the lovely question now and I go, and then? <laughs> and then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I have done enough building things for other founders and I want to build something for myself. And at the same time, my co-founder... Had come to the end of the time that he was going to spend at Go Cardless. He'd been learning to code and like skilling up. And he was like, right, I think I'm ready now to start a company. So, yeah, the so Personably is the company that I founded. We started in December 2016. So that's like a year and a bit ago Mm -hmm. now. And we made a tool to help fast growing startups onboard their new hires. So we have some awesome customers like Monzo and Go Cardless who are growing very quickly. Yes very quickly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they've been very they've been great. So yeah, we yeah, started that year and a bit ago. Okay. So what's the the process if I'm a fast growth company <laughs> and I want to smooth the the period when someone joins my company, I, I what, I come to you guys and then what what is the specific that you you give me? Yeah. So it's basically a software product. So it's a platform and what it lets you set up a series of sessions for the, the new hire needs to go through so you do that on the pro, on the app and then what happens is you basically click a button and then it checks everybody's google calendar and it schedules everything for you automatically without you ever having to check a calendar and it's like so there are other things it does as well but if you're hiring one person a month it's not that helpful if you're hiring five people a week it's really really useful and that's kind of where we saw the problem okay now you you gave me a sneak peek into this earlier before we we pressed press record, but you recently hired your first teammate, right? Yeah, she's called Ruth. She's great, and she learned to code with me at Founders and Coders, and then she was dragged along on some of that freelance work with me for a year. Okay, so she's joining you on the software engineering side, right? Yeah. So we currently have a female majority team, which is Whoop. awesome. <laughs> I, I can agree with that we, we're um, CEW is three women and one bloke. Poor bloke. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. We'll we'll increase the uh, the gender makeup at some point in the future. Cool. Okay. So what's the? Where are you at the moment in the startup journey? Because obviously you were talking about the kind of the end of 2016 when you start, and you've got your first full time hire that's joined on the software engineering side. So what else are you up to right now? So we just completed our fundraise. I feel like when people mention that on the podcast, I should have like fireworks and crackers and bangers and just like lots of exciting noise. Maybe I'll work on that for the future (laughs) one. We'll see. But that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So, can you, can you reveal how much? How much did you raise? Yeah. So, we raised 500,000 pounds. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. And who, who's involved? Like, what's the, the support that you're getting like the the additional makeup and advice the uh, the brains from the industry that are going to help your future growth <laughs> so we've got some really awesome advisors one of them who has helped us out so much being matt robinson mm-hmm. who's one of the founders of go cardless and has since founded nested which will guarantee the price of your house so you can buy a new house chain free you're going to like just like message him after this and be like so plugged nested <laughs> on a podcast for you Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) thanks for the money (laughs) yeah and he's been like so helpful so we messaged him about halfway through last year and he was like oh cool like it's awesome what you guys are doing we've got this big like we're filling up our office and we're growing very quickly but you guys should come work from here so we basically worked sitting with their team for the last six seven months so we sat opposite their people team and watched them go through the scaling phase nice which is like great like we got some like really really good feedback yeah yeah it's a perfect kind of guinea pig example in order to learn from so that's great on the the beta stage yeah so what's the plan for the money so plan for the money is to well stop bootstrapping for one so we got some of our customers to pay us up front early on which helped so much Mm -hmm. because it meant we could like reuse that that cash plan for the money is to grow the team and we are at the limit of what we can do with the amount with two people basically and our customers are like, like requesting things like we know what we wanted to build and we just did not have the hours in the day to get there yeah so yeah using the money to like scale the team and I'm so excited that we're going to be able to have more people and we're not going to have to. we're only going to have to do four jobs each as opposed to six jobs each yes that is the dream that is the dream <laughs> so on that note while you've got the podcast before you what roles are you hiring for and anyone out there should they be applying oh yeah so Right now, we are hiring for a product designer, and we will also be hiring for an so far undisclosed non-technical role, like later in the year. So I think it might be sales or marketing or both. Okay, but yeah, we're trying- we're still figuring that out. Okay, cool. So, Geek Girls and other valued listeners, if you are currently on the hunt and you're based in London, then heads to the website. The job's going to be listed up on there. Yeah, definitely. So awesome. and with roles and role proper role descriptions and salaries none of this competitive or dependent on experience rubbish good good that's nice so what's the website personably.co cool right so there you go if you're looking for a role and this sounds awesome and you want to go and work with katarina then go to that website and you can get some more information so obviously your career today has been like a proper hardcore roller coaster (laughs) you are I would describe you as a badass. <laughs> you are very much a woman who does know what she's after in terms of, you know, I, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to go study law and then very quickly realizing from other people, hmm, maybe not. But what else could I do? Ooh, startups. I like startups now. I'm going to work for Crowdcube and they're going to hire me <laughs> now. Oh, what should I do next? Coding. Yes, I will go and learn to code. I'm going to learn JavaScript in 12 days in order to prove myself to get onto a course Does the course, hangs around for another year, helping other people to build product, finds a gap in the market and decides I'm starting a company. So that's pretty damn impressive. (laughs) Thanks. It all sounds, it sounds a lot more coherent when you can can draw the line in hindsight. Yeah, no, I know. But that's always the case with your career, right, isn't it? It's when you look back retrospectively, it seems simple but actually when you're going through everything it is not that way so on that note when you were going through all of this let's start with deciding that you wanted to learn to code you know, for anyone that's listening and is considering making a change and maybe wants to you know go do founders and coders or code academy or general assembly or any of the other options that are out there what would some of the advice be that you would give to someone who's thinking about making that switch yeah so i think my main piece of advice would be it's not all or nothing. So you can try it out first. There's tons of, res- of resources online. Code Academy is really good because you can basically just try it out. Like You can open up Google Chrome and try it out. You don't have to install or download anything or figure that out. So it's like super quick to get started. So yeah, I definitely recommend trying that out. There's also like go to meetups and things, go to coding meetups and try and... So free Code Camp's another really good thing. There's like lots of online resources, resources for that and there's a community around it. And I think one of the things I liked most about Founders and Coders was you have this community of people that you can always ask for questions. And I think that's the hardest thing with learning to code. Like you feel like you're on your own, basically. Yeah. So I think trying to find like your network and your group amongst those people and people that you can ask for help is such a key part of getting over that stage. And I think that's why these coding bootcamps do so well, because they basically bring those people together into a cohort and let them like learn together. Yeah, that's a nice thing. If you had to narrow it down to one thing what would you say is the the thing that you really love about coding that's that's a good question i think the thing i love most about coding is that you can have an idea for something sit down for 2 hours and like write some code and then it exists like okay. it's just so creative like you can just make things in a way that you can't with yeah i don't yeah it's like super creative basically that's why i love it yeah so it's the it's the it's the building. It's the creating something that didn't exist before, which is a bit like starting a startup, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see a theme here. So, on the the note of going back to personally and, and what you're doing with the company now, obviously, you know, huge congrats for raising the money and you know everything that is ahead of you for the rest of 2018 and longer. But you've you've already gone through a period of time now with the company, which for some people listening or out there is often the toughest. Yeah, which is the getting started and the you know the the risk that comes with that which is going full time on a business money is one of those things that we start to worry about yeah (laughs) unless we've done successfully well before what would you say is the the you know to this point of where you are with the company what is the the biggest lesson that you've learned so far I think the biggest thing we've worked, we've learned, and I kind of knew this before just from my experience with working companies at Crowdcube, but it was like really like hammered home with personably, is that you learn so much by talking to your users. And I know everybody always says that you need to do this, but you really need to do this. Mm-hmm. So like there were things where we had an idea about a way to build something. And because we were so early, and because we were so resource limited, we would basically just go out to monzo or go or whoever it was that we were talking to at that point and sort of say hey we're thinking about building this we think it's going to solve this part of the problem do you have any thoughts on that and then they'd come back and be like oh yeah that sounds great but have you thought about this 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 and this thing which we hadn't thought about so it then meant that we were like oh we didn't anticipate that okay if you hire 10 people if you have to click a, ten- a button 10 times that's fine if you're hiring 50 people that becomes like a really manual chore yeah things like that like Basically, doing things at scale that didn't, a lot of those things we learned from talking to our our users. And one of the things that we, I used to see startups do when I was at CrowdCube is they'd come to CrowdCube having basically spent a year locked in a cage and not spoken to anybody. And they'd paid a developer to build something for them. They didn't know if it would work, they hadn't got anyone trying it. And then they wanted to fundraise or launch and they'd kind of run out of money. And I always knew from seeing people do that, I was like, I do not want to do that. Like, we are going to build something that is useful to people basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the biggest well, it's one of the biggest reasons why startups fail ultimately. That it's the is it the 90% of businesses in their first year or you know whatever that stat that gets thrown around. Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons for that failure is ultimately, you know, they've built something that no one wants. Yeah. And ultimately learning what someone wants, you have to go, "Hey, what's up?" Yeah. <laughs> what what do you think of this then? in order to get that feedback so it's a really really valuable lesson i think people are scared to get that because it's scary being like this is a thing like do you want it like whereas if you do it at the like research stage like before a thing exists you're much less attached to your idea and the different like implementation of it Mm -hmm. so like the earlier that you can do that the earlier you can get that feedback before you become too invested in it it like gives you more like leverage basically to shift and it means you don't waste time or money doing that yeah, so I think yeah, just like get feedback, talk to people as early as possible. Like preferably, do not build anything until you've done like a lot of that. We spent a month. We met everybody, pretty much everybody we knew that works at a tech company, and asked them how their onboarding process was. Yeah. So we met fifty people in maybe like three and a half weeks. It was really busy. It was a lot of coffee. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know the, the lot of coffee problem <laughs> very well. But I guess the 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 problem is when you're building something or you have the idea for something. You don't want your dream to become a nightmare, which is the, you know, it's the whole idea that, you know, the longer that I just keep doing something or thinking about it, but without actually asking anyone, the longer that I get to just keep thinking that this is something that everyone wants and it will be great and it will be amazing and I can live in this bubble. And then when you do suddenly find out it does become a nightmare situation, whereas if you start with the dream and then very quickly do that research, then you enable your dream to actually become a reality sooner as well. That's a really good way to describe it. I haven't heard that before. I'm going to write that down. I feel like I just had a moment. It's a blog post. Yes, it's a blog <laughs> post. Yeah, how to make your dream a reality and not a nightmare. There you go. All right, I'm going to do that later. That's my homework. <laughs> so one of the other questions that I had for you was very specifically on the funding. Mm-hmm. You know, so obviously we've said it's it's awesome that you've got these backers and that they're there for your business and and I I know from the number of founders that I've spoken to who have successfully fundraised or even unsuccessfully fundraised just how much work goes into this. But on the fundraising side, when you you know you realize that you needed additional external capital in order to scale, how did you decide that that was the particular route that you wanted to follow in order to get the additional finance? Yeah so I think and these assumptions like might be totally wrong so I might be listening back to this in a year and being like oh my god I can't believe I thought that but we've got a B2B product so we're selling to businesses and I think it really helps to have a VC behind you Mm -hmm. that you can point to and be like it's a bit more secure than having like lots of angel investors that don't have the same amount of cash to deploy so like the, the VC that we're working with they fund seed through to like series F rounds. So in theory, they could fund all of our rounds if they wanted to. I think the other thing was because we're building a product that helps fast growing and scaling companies, a VC was a really good strategic partner for us as well because that's obviously their portfolio companies. They like create these basically. So again, it like made sense for us to have a venture capital fund. But obviously there are like pros and cons with that, like with angel investors, there's generally a lot less, like it's a lot less strict. Whereas we've had to sort of sign terms and put in processes in place in the company that uh, kind of reflect a company that's a lot more further, like a lot more advanced. Basically, it's like more compliance stuff that you just wouldn't really have to do with angel investors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely like pros and cons to it. I think it, like I, I'm pretty sure it was a good idea. Like I'm happy with a, with that decision to okay. do that. <laughs> you should see the smile on her face. I'm like, I'm happy. Yeah, and you, sh- and you should be. You should be happy it's a it's, you know it's a big moment in the the journey of your company and you should be like flipping over the moon i would be yeah yeah no definitely and i think there are like lots of different routes for funding and different things work well for different like the kind of company that you want to build and the kind of product you've got and the stage you're at so yeah there's definitely not like a one one track fits all no. fundraising yeah, yeah it's just interesting to kind of understand the the logic behind the particular route that you went down and and, and why that was and one of the questions that that you know, crops up again and again at geek girl and at other meetups that are arranged predominantly for women in tech is often it is around funding yeah. so it's just you know it's a little bit of a, a knowledge gap there that we you know, hopefully try to plug in as much as possible when you if you look back on your career so far to date would you say that there's been any one or you know it could be a group of people that you feel have influenced you or inspired you in some way along the journey I think I've met lots of different people along, like, along my whole career that have, like, inspired me at different stages. So, for example, like, founders and coders, like, everyone that I did that course with, they're all amazing and, like, we're all still friends. And it's, like, really nice seeing, like, all of those people who had totally different careers. Like, so one of my friends from there used to work at Grant Thornton. Like, people were, like, teachers, recruiters, and now they're all coding. Lots of them are doing it remotely. So that friend I mentioned who was at Grant Thornton, she's currently in Columbia for six months remoting as a developer oh wow yeah so she yeah so she's basically like working on london contracts in columbia which is awesome and not something you could do with your job at grant Thornton. yeah no probably not never no. definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that group's like been really amazing so some of our angel investors impersonally. In so yeah like matt i've already mentioned there's also caroline sage and scott sage who have been like really helpful and like made tons of introductions for us and who else crowdcube like Luke and Darren, the founders, for like giving me that start, like, and also yeah, it was like a really awesome place to have a, as a like an awesome thing to do as a first job. Yeah, so yeah, there have been lots of people along the way, and obviously like my co-founder as well. Like he, that's I'm taking that for granted, but he's great, and he was working in GoCardless at the same time I was at CrowdCube. So we would kind of like meet up after work and like talk about startups and like go to events and things together. So yeah, I'm not sure who I would have started a startup with if it wasn't him. So I'm glad that he was around. <laughs> yeah. And if you were to, you know, if you were sat opposite someone who wasn't me right now, but was a woman who, you know, is maybe part of Geek Girl or again, someone that's listening to this podcast right now and is thinking about that idea that she's maybe actually done the research for and thinks there's a business in it, but she's not quite mentally there. Yeah. To launch. What would the advice be to someone who's who's, you know, thinking about it but there's kind of more of a an internal blocker? To doing it so the thing that I was most worried about is like looking back and being like damn why didn't I try that thing mm. like I'm not worried about failing I'm worried about not having tried something that's the thing that scares me the most like looking back and being like I didn't take all the opportunities that I could have taken that's more frightening to me and I think like if you're if you're thinking about starting a startup and you're kind of stuck in your head with it try and take incremental steps like try and do the less risky things like set up a type form and see how many people put their email address in like there's like technology is great now like there's lots of self-serve things that you can do without spending any money and without spending too much time so just try and like de-risk it for yourself like try and do those small things like as much as possible yeah no that's good advice if someone's listening and aside from thinking man I really need to work for that company (laughs) what's the best way in which someone could possibly get in touch with you so my dms are open on twitter that's probably the easiest way so to slide count. into her DMs. slide into my dms yeah. on twitter i am always willing to talk to amazing women in tech and help people basically okay awesome thank you so much for joining the podcast thanks it's- for having me oh also i need to give a shout sorry i should have given a it- geek girl is also awesome <laughs> i don't know i should have mentioned that before so i went to geek girl i've been to like the geek girl conferences pretty much every year like at these different stages in my career and, yeah, talking to, like, Kathy and, like, Magdalena it's just been, like, awesome, like, seeing what you guys have built. I shouldn't say guys, seeing what you women have built. There you go. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so it's, like, been amazing to, like, go, go to those conferences and, like, meet meet like-minded people and each year be at a different stage. And still be able to, like, come back and talk to you and be like, hey, look what I've done now. So, yeah. It's like show and tell. It is. It's coming back and, like, looking at your mum and being like, are you proud? Yeah. I did this. It's, it's like awesome. going back to your old school and yeah. talking to your teachers and being like, look what I've become. You yeah. <laughs> know <laughs> that I've done that. Always makes me laugh. You're not the first person I've had on this podcast who suddenly at the end goes, oh, oh, oh geek girl, <laughs> <laughs> which is great, which, you know, for, for us, it's a, it's a lovely compliment to the group and the network and, and all that we, you know, try to help you guys achieve ultimately others more that I'll tell you about later which I can't tell you about yet so sorry listener you don't get to hear this quite yet but we'll, <laughs> we'll uh we'll tell you more in the coming weeks you'll find out thank you again so much for Thanks, joining me and on that note we are at the end of the podcast and because we're at the end I have to do a shout out to our lovely partner for this obviously you know by now that we are here in the podcast studio at Runway East Runway East is one of London's leading co-working spaces, and if you are part of a startup or starting up and want to surround yourself with a community of makers, creators, and doers, then you should definitely take a look at the guys at Runway East. So head to the website runwayea.st, and if you put in Geek Girl Meets, you can get a twenty percent off of any hot desk, and you should definitely, definitely take a look. They help companies scale up from one to a hundred with plenty of spaces for them. If you want to find out about the latest Geek Girl events in London, then head to the website, which is geekgirlmeetup.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at ggmuk and you can follow me on Twitter at kathywhite10. And as always, I want to hear about your awesome ladies. And if you are an awesome lady or you think maybe I could be, you probably already are, you should get in touch and you should definitely talk to me about being on this podcast because I want to hear your story. Until next week. Bye. You can follow Geek Girl on Twitter at GGMUK, sign up to our newsletter on the website at geekgirlmeetup.co.uk and you can like our Facebook page, Geek Girl Meetup UK.